Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. We're going to go to the book of Ruth if we can. And we're going to go to the end of Ruth chapter 1. So uh, we started several, several weeks ago. Um, if you can go to the book of uh, Judges, and uh, then right after the book of Judges, you will find the book of Ruth. And so if we can kind of get into this and kind of talk about the ending of the book of Ruth. Now the beginning of the book of Ruth, uh, or that should say the end of chapter 1, the beginning of the book of Ruth is, is kind of, Ruth is, is kind of a hard thing to read because you know what's about to happen a famine hits and then this famine is interpreted as the end uh, and they make a decision I'm not going to re redo last last the last lesson but I do want to hit a couple of highlights here and always remember this it is never a bad time to move uh, in a famine a famine doesn't mean that I need to stay and die but a famine is to be interpreted through the mind of God. And, and the way you know that, do I need to make that next move? Do I need to pack up my family? Do I need to, to get up and do I need to move? Uh, well, there are famines that are found throughout the Bible. I believe about 13 of them. But if you'll go to Genesis 41, I just want to highlight uh, this before we move on. Genesis chapter 41 and look at verse number 56. So if you'll go there, Genesis 41 in verse number 56. So you'll find here in Genesis chapter 41, and the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed even sore in the land of Egypt. I find it very interesting, if I could just take a side note here, that even in a famine, there was still an exchange. Uh, it wasn't giving away, there was a selling. And all of a sudden, though, uh, the Pharaoh of Egypt started acquiring houses, he started acquiring cattle, he started acquiring land, and, uh, and isn't it just like the, uh, the economics of a society that the rich get richer during a bad time and the poor get poorer? So we understand that, but we also understand that here you have the family of God, that this famine was all over the place. Go to chapter 42 and verse number 1. In chapter 42 and verse number 1, Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. Many times when somebody hits a tough time and they hit a famine in their life, the conventional thinking that is kind of the party line is, Oh, don't go anywhere. Well, that's not necessarily true, because in the famines in the Bible, you'll find people did move. Now, that move either resulted in success, or that move resulted in demise. The people of Israel, it was a success move, and here's why. A structure was already set up where they were going. God had sent ahead Joseph. God had blessed the, the, the Joseph, and so God sent ahead when they entered into this, the land of Egypt, they entered into the land of Goshen. It was the best part of the land. So where everybody else was experiencing this famine, God used a famine, 
over here to pick a family up and move them over to a land that the structure was already there. I cannot emphasize this enough. God does move people. If I were to think to myself that everybody here is permanent, that, that, that would be insane. I've had the privilege of standing still on the conveyor belt for 35 years of ministry, and Brother Spencer reminded me, 45 years of membership, and I've had the unique ability to stand still to watch people come through the conveyor belt and they just come through. Now, I have to realize that they're coming through not to stay, but to go. And then some people walk through this conveyor belt and God will lead them and then they'll come back through and they'll, they'll come back. If I all of a sudden interpret everybody moving or everybody leaving as, oh no, it's never God's will, that's craziness because the Bible doesn't indicate that. But I will tell you, when God does do this, He never leads somebody to Moab. He always leads somebody to where there's a Pharaoh that knows Joseph and Joseph is ahead of it, and then all of a sudden things just start falling into place in a miraculous way. It's God things you cannot explain. You just cannot explain them. And when you talk to people, and they're trying to push doors open, and they don't watch God, because when you and I need to move, and it's a famine, then you and I will understand where does the faith come to endure hard times? You know where the faith comes? The faith comes when you know God did this. I, I didn't push open these doors. God absolutely knocked down the doors. So, But this is not the case in Ruth. The case in Ruth is, is that we come to Ruth chapter 1, and, and if we could go there now, we come to Ruth chapter 1, and you're going to find out that this is the best. I love, I love getting past wrong decisions and talk and and understanding that, yes, everybody can make a bad decision. Everybody can, can, can end up, I made a bad decision. You and I make bad decisions. Now, we don't sojourn for 10 years in them, but how many have ever spent a season in a bad decision? How many have ever, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You step in and, and, and then you wake up and you're like, okay, what in the world was that all about? I, I can personally testify uh, that uh, Brother Bowen will testify, and I'm not going to let him testify because he may tell the truth. Um, but <laughs> there was a season that, 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 that I came here wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, and, and when we stepped into Longview, Texas, I was in love as an eighth grader, didn't even want to leave. I convinced my dad to leave me here for two weeks with total strangers. I'm like, I'm in love. Something happened in my heart along my sophomore year and, and I stepped into a fog. I still don't understand it to some degree, but I do know what it's like to come out of this fog at 17 and go, what was that all about? But we still have seasons to where we have this. So the lesson we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to look at tonight, is, is about now all of a sudden we have the rebuilding. So how does somebody that goes through this Moab experience how do they rebuild? And you may be sitting here and you may not need this because your life is perfect, no problems, and I'm glad. But, but there may be somebody that you can help with the lesson. The first thing we have to understand is that when you're in Moab, that the only way you get out of Moab is with your hearing. I want you to notice at the end of Ruth chapter 1, and, and I find this very interesting, of course, Ruth chapter 1, 1 through 5, uh, then we find out that uh, 
uh, if, if you would, that let's, let's pick up in verse number six. Then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had, what please, heard. You know, returning, faith cometh by what please, hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You, you and I do not return until we have that ability to listen to what's going on where God is. That's the prayer. That's the prayer. If you're like, well, I know some people in Moab right now, and they're going to lose it all. Then the prayer is this, God, may they hear what is going on in your world. Would you go to Romans chapter 10? Romans chapter 10, and again, the rebuilding of somebody's life and, the, and, and just this, just this little, little, bitty, little bitty phrase there to where she heard. She heard all of a sudden, so her life, is, her life has gone downhill. She's lost her husband. She's lost her children. And now, all of a sudden, we're going to find out when she comes back, don't call me. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because nobody ever gets better when they are, are going away from the Lord. And so look at Romans chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, not but not according to knowledge. So if you go all, walk all the way down uh, to verse number um, to verse number verse number ten, it says this: For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness; with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look at this: How then shall they call on him in whom they've not what believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not? heard and how shall they hear without a what preacher so so understand that if there is no voice in the land of god there is no hearing by people who are away from god if you could sit here right now and i can tell you that that i am trying my best to live the christian life and one of the responsibilities is i have to keep talking about god and how good he is because there's a segment of people that God is not that good. They're little G God. You see, in Moab, Moab's always taking out of somebody. God's always putting into somebody. And as you get older, you will know people around you that you're like, oh my goodness, what in the world? So this rebuilding must start with hearing. And that's why I go back to, to Ruth chapter 1. And in Ruth chapter 1, it said, and um, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 9, she arose and then she heard how that the Lord had visited the people that were in Israel. The second thing it starts with, drop to verse number 19. Verse number 19. So if you're looking for, man, if somebody has made a Moab decision, how do they rebuild? I, I, I love Emmanuel Baptist Church and, and, um, and, I, and I love the fact that there are people listening right now that they're that that by permission I use this that they're like pastor tell them that Emmanuel Baptist needs to stay according to the book. We we can't get off into territory that's not according to the book, because there are people who need an oasis to rebuild, and one of the messages that must be preached across the land is this: no matter how long you've been in Moab, no matter how much you've lost in Moab, 
There still is the land that God is blessing and anybody can live in that land. And this is what Ruth is all about. Because you come to Ruth chapter 1 and verse number 19, and then it says this, So they too went on, went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, seeing and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, let's talk about this rebuilding and this returning. If, if you're here, you're listening to me, and you're like, boy, I, I've been in Moab, how do I rebuild? You starts with your hearing. You have to open up your hearing. You, you have to take time to, I, I want to hear. Then now you're going to find out, if you'll look at verse number 19, she said this, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again, what? Empty. But you know what her mindset was? The family mindset was, we're empty. Before they left, you know what they said? There's nothing going on. We're empty. We're empty. But when they went out and looked back at what they did have, you know what she said? I didn't realize how full I was back there. I, I didn't realize how much I had going for me back there. And no matter who we are, when you and I take those seasons out of, and we go to Moab, Re rebuilding in the book of Ruth, this rebuilding in Moab, is always hindsight. You look in the mirror and you're like, man, I was happier before. I was happier back there. You know what Job said? Oh, that I were as in days gone by. You know what he was saying? There was a time when everything was okay. That's what I want. And, and Ruth was saying, Naomi was saying here, I went out full. So in order for there to be a rebuilding, you first have to start hearing but number two, there has to be a change of mindset. You have to recognize, I had everything. I may have been scared, but I had everything. I may have been petrified, but I had everything. And there are many people who feel like in the Christian life, there's no way I can get back there. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not true. And if you're sitting here tonight and you are thinking to yourself, no, you don't understand, that used to be me. Listen, Bethlehem Judah still exists and there is still a, a, a way to get back to where you're taken care of. And, and, and most people live with an inferior way of looking at life. But here in the book of Ruth, there, there was a change of mindset. And then I want you to notice this. There, it said three ways. Look at verse 20. For the Almighty hath dealt. So there are three words. Dealt, testified, afflicted. So, so look at it. So, so dealt, I'm sorry. Uh, it's dealt, brought, testified, afflicted. Here it is, verse 20. For the Lord hath what? Dealt. It did not say destroy. Look at it. For the Lord hath, and the Lord hath brought. The Lord hath testified. The Almighty hath afflicted. Our mindset is this. Oh, you're going to die. You know what God's mindset is? Let me bring you 
and afflict you and testify against you and let me take the downing out of your nest so that we can get you back. You see, the moment the prodigal son stepped away from the father, the riotous living, it started costing him. But guess what the father was always doing back home? He was always waiting for him to return. And when you think about the book of Ruth, the book of Ruth is so apropos to your life and my life and people that we love that when they go, listen, we have to look at it the way the Lord, you know what the Lord says? Let me do my job in getting them to come home. The hardest thing you and I do is get out of the way and let the Father do His job. So He brought me. He, he, he dealt. Now, now <laughs> it's very interesting. It's not a pleasant experience for the one being dealt with. It's, it's not a pleasant experience, but this is God. So there, there has to be a change in a mindset. Then there has to be a recognition of the Lord's hand. And then part of being full. Now this is, this is where before we transition, the transition is Ruth chapter 2 verse 1. Would you look what always was there? Look at Ruth chapter 2 verse 1. Look what it says. And Naomi had a what? Kinsman. Wait a minute. Naomi had a kinsman? Why? Of her husband. A mighty man of what? Wealth. Do you know what this just said? He always had this kinsman. So when they were dwelling in this land of famine, they never had to leave. They just didn't give it time. They didn't seek. They didn't look at what was around them. They only looked at this and said, oh my goodness, nope, nope, we can't do this. We got to go. Where are we going to go? We're going to go 50 miles across Jordan. We're going to drop back down into Moab. And so they picked up the family. They went. But what he failed to realize, Elimelech failed to realize was this. He had somebody very wealthy in the middle of a famine. Now that's a sermon in and of itself. But you and I must remember when we hit hard times, before you make a move, seek for the kinsman redeemer. We don't do that enough. We don't do that enough. I'll say it again. One of my one one of the the, the 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 best partnerships to have with people is the partnership of prayer. Pastor, I'm in the middle of a famine. Pastor, what am I going to do? Pastor, I don't know what to do. Pastor, what? Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's get on our knees and pray. Let's meet up. Let's pray. And most of the time that that when we pray in the middle of a famine, guess what we're going to find? That the kinsman redeemer is there. And you would much rather have a fear and find the kinsman redeemer than react to what you're scared about and make this major move in your life. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I can tell you this. That when things start drying up, you better use God's mind and not your mind. It's interesting. If you go back to the beginning of chapter 1, it says, now it came to pass in the days when the what? Judges ruled. Well, we all know that there's two sister verses in the book of Judges that every man did that which was right in their own eyes. They didn't do that which was wrong. 
I'm going to reiterate what I said last week because I think it's worth visiting the foundation. Nobody ever sets out to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to make a decision that's going to kill my husband, it's going to kill my children, and this decision is just going to make us end up miserable. Nobody ever makes that kind of decision. But many decisions are made that end up that way. So as we come back through, look at Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Now, and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ear of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, go my daughter. Now, this is the coming to grips with this. Are you ready? Every bad decision will cost a generation. We might as well just understand that. The, Ten years in Moab, 75% of the family died. 25% of the family was left ineffective. 25% became bitter. And this is why we have to make sure that if all of a sudden we're in the middle of this famine, it's better you spit dust on your way to finding the Savior in the middle of your famine than to go eat something in Moab that everybody dies from. This temporary... So when a person is on the road to rebuilding, they must understand the process that it's going to take. So let's look at several things. First of all, it requires a kinsman. Whether, whether we like it or not, nobody ever recovers alone. Okay? We're studying on Sunday morning at 9.30. And here in the auditorium, we start about the book of Proverbs. And, and uh, you know, uh, Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of yourself together. And, and 9.30 to me is that much more. So, so we do it much more. Last night I was able to have a Bible study uh, with a family at the office and, and it, was, it was a great Bible study. You know what the topic was? Assisted suicide. Euthanasia. And it was... I studied for that thing and it was like... I came up with like 26 verses and we went... I'm thinking about teaching it on a Wednesday night, went through 20, how does the Lord look at this? How does the Bible look at this? Is it ever right? Anyways, fascinating. But I will tell you that nobody, that nobody ever returns to where God wants them to be without a person. Proverbs chapter 1. We're studying Proverbs chapter 1. And in Proverbs chapter 1, in fact, in fact if you'll go there and just very quickly, in Proverbs chapter 1, you're going to find out that this wisdom that is there. So there's only two people that, that, that Proverbs does no good on, and that is scorners and fools. But you have the simple and you have the wise. But if you'll notice here, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, Proverbs 1-2, To know wisdom and instructions, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. Verse 4, Subtly to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. So all this is done. And guess what the very first topic is coming out of the gate? Who you hang around. That's incredible. You would think he would deal with marriage. You think he would deal with finances. And so as we're studying the book of Proverbs on Sunday morning, especially this Sunday morning, we're getting to dissect the Bible to find out why did Solomon start with this? Son, 
the people you run with have a mindset that will destroy you. And it is true. Now go back to the book of Ruth. So anytime somebody is rebuilding, guess what they need in their life? They need a kinsman. They have to have one. Nobody rebuilds without one. I returned from camp in July of 1984, and, uh, and, and I, God had just done, just done a work in my heart. College is getting ready to kick up in a couple of weeks, and I'm walking out that door, and I walk out, and there was this skinny-headed blonde kid uh, from Alexandria, Louisiana. And he said, hey, are, are you the preacher's son? Bobby? And I said, I am. He said, my name's John Smith. And he said, uh, hey, they are sending me to a bus route on the south side of town with Kevin Connor and Craig Ingram and Fred Schmidt. And, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a senior in high school, just getting ready to start my senior year. He said, would you like to come? And I was like, yeah, I would love to come. We got in that tan Datsun pickup truck. And we were at the south side of Longview, and then they opened up a chapel in Henderson, and Brother Bowen assigned John Smith to Henderson, and John looked at me and said, you game? I was like, I'm game. Let's go. So we got in that Dotson pickup truck, and we ran that chapel in Henderson, and, and then Brother Bowen was like, hey, I need a bus captain for Kilgore, and, and I was like, John, Lone Ranger and Tonto are going to have to part company, and and, uh, but all I had was a bicycle. And so John would put that bicycle on the back of his Dotson pickup truck, drop me off in Kilgore. I'd, I'd do the route. He'd go to Henderson, come back and pick me up. And y'all, listen to that. Listen to this. From that point, John Smith and I had such... But you know what John Smith was for me? My kinsman. I had to have somebody that could take me on this journey. So here you have a kinsman. Now let me stop and say this. I think I've always had kinsmen. I didn't have to take a step into Moab. I've always had kinsmen. They have always been in the land. I, I believe that God is so faithful in the Bethlehem Judah of our lives that He always has kinsmen ready to help you, but only when you recognize you need help. And God's always bringing somebody, and God's always bringing somebody, and God's always bringing somebody. What did He pray for? He did not pray for the harvest. He prayed for who? laborers. And do you know what you need to pray for? If you have somebody living in Moab, you know what you need to pray for? Is that there is somebody that will show up in their world that will be a kinsman redeemer that will step up and be that person in somebody's world. You and I have people that we're like, God. So do we pray for them? Yes. But I'll tell you, when we pray like God prayed, God, would you put somebody around them? How many could testify, if, 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 if you could, that God put a kinsman in your life at the moment you needed a kinsman? How do you explain this? How do you explain that we're here? You know how? Because somebody just loved God. So there is the kinsman. So when you and I look at it, look at Ruth chapter 2, verse 1, and Naomi had a kinsman. Look at Ruth chapter 3, verse 12. Go to chapter 3, verse 12. Now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Now, now I want you to notice the progression here. Because once you get a kinsman, you get a kinsman. 
then they start introducing you to the nearer kinsman. That's how you know that the people in your life and in my life are the right person because Ruth chapter 2 verse 1, and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband. Verse 12, he goes, yes, I am that kinsman. How be it there is a kinsman nearer than I. Look at verse four, chapter 4 verse 1. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there, and behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake. This is the beautiful thing. This is, this is where this Boaz in your life and in my life went to his kinsman. Everybody needs one. And, and when somebody's rebuilding their life, you can always tell that there's the seriousness in rebuilding their life because they have a Boaz that will help them with the kinsman who owns it all. You see, Boaz didn't own it all. There was somebody who owned it all. Mike, they got baptized. You know, standing back there, and I'm thinking to myself, the only way that he's going to make it is if there's a Boaz, if there's an Ananias that will pick him up and just go, hey, well, if he was really serious, he'd make it. He's serious. But he needs a Boaz. And when somebody's rebuilding their life, so, so there was this Boaz. Ruth's kinsman was Naomi. Naomi's kinsman was Boaz. Boaz's kinsman was the nearer kinsman. Would you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3? So now there, there, there is something that needs to be addressed, and, and I spoke a little bit about it Sunday night, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I think we need to see it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? Did you see that? I want you to, it's just not wording. Look what he says. Verse 5. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom they believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? You know what that's saying right there? You, God, has given you Paul's and Apollos's. He has given them to you. He has handpicked them for you. And this is why relationship between brothers and sisters in Christ have got to be centered around people who point you to the nearest kinsman. John Smith is... Five years older than I am. Six years older than I am. He had just come out of the Air Force. I'm just coming out of a fog and a season of, of being a jerk and an idiot. One day we're on our way to, to Henderson. John Smith hates. Uh, he hates noise. Okay? So, so I have my pen on the side of his Datsun. And, 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 and I'm, I'm, but I'm tapping out a rock song. And, and I don't even realize it. I'm not going to tap it out because some of you would go backwards. And uh, so, so I'm, 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 I'm just, John Smith takes that Dotson, pulls it over, reaches over, grabs my pen, rolls the window down, throws the pen out, gets back on the, he hates noise. We were in our, my room one time and, and uh, 
and he 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 was taking a nap in the bean bag and and I decided I was going to crank up some music and play it and and he because he was working security and so he, he we're in college at this point and he looks at me and he goes really really but this kinsman had the unique ability of helping me with the kinsman if if I had a nickel for every time we were sitting in chapel and 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 somebody would start preaching the word of God. And my kinsmen around me would go, Bob, isn't that wonderful? Everybody needs a kinsman. But you'll notice here that God gives to every man. Go to Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Acts chapter 9 and verse number 17. And I want to arm you with Scripture because I, 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 I think that I have, I, I know, I want, I should say, a biblical mindset on people in our lives. But look at Acts chapter 9, verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in, in the way as thou camest, hath what sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Please know this. I think that the next question I would ask, if you go back to Ruth chapter 2 as you're turning there, I think the next question that I would ask you is this. If we understand that to rebuild somebody's life, they have to have a kinsman. So how do you qualify this kinsman? You qualify this kinsman by his relationship. Where is this relationship? Who, who is the greater that he's going to? That's why social media and Facebook have become very very daunting and 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 i'm not on social media and and i have been burnt a couple of times with with speaking engagements and things that just haven't been on there and and then all of a sudden when i am made aware of associations i'm like whoa time out time out everybody freeze everybody freeze it's sad but i would like to know who is your greater kinsman who is it that you go to? Because I don't think it's now good enough to be here. Who, who is that next kinsman that you go to? Because y'all listen to this. Whoever is influencing your kinsman is your kinsman is going to influence you. And when we're rebuilding lives, so my question to you would be this. What kind of kinsman are you? Could somebody use you as a kinsman? If somebody returned to this church and they decided, you know, I've been in Moab long enough and I, and I would just like to step here, could they find a Boaz that would help them with a permanent relationship in life? You see, the only one that could bring about the permanent, and, and we're going to get to it, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself for the lesson, but if you'll notice that, that the only life that they lived when they returned was a gleaning life. That was it. It was just a gleaning life. All they did was go to the corners of the field. They, they lived a gleaning life. But how did they transition from just eating at the corners of the field and coming back with, with just enough? How did they transition from there to this life of, wow! You know how they did it? They had a kinsman who knew the owner who then could give and this is the beauty of rebuilding. People want to be rebuilt, but 
Are there enough Boazes to help them rebuild? So now if you come to Ruth chapter 2, let's go back. The beautiful thing about this is, is that it, it, it takes initiative, okay? So somebody's got to make the first move. And I think the first move that is made is found in Ruth chapter 2. So, so in counseling with people, I, I must be aware of the Ruth 2. So if you'll look at Ruth chapter 2 and verse number 2, and Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, let me now go. You have to make the first move. Okay? So you can't drag people. You can't make people. I reach out to all kinds of people. I'm always sending text. I'm always doing this. And there are friends I love to spend time with. But there's a group of text messages I send that these people are living in Moab. And God will say, you know, we need to like Sunday morning sermon, you know. God put three people on my heart. And so I was like, oh, okay, here we go. So Sunday afternoon, I, I kind of reached out. It was like, okay, I just want to let you know I love you. I'm here for you. And I miss you. And nothing. It's like, <laughs> like crickets. And it's like, okay, all right, here we go. But somebody's got to make that first move. But my big question is this. If somebody does make the move to go, look at verse number two, to go to the field, will they be noticed? Will there be anybody in the field? Look at verse number two. And Ruth the Moabite said, Naomi, let me, go, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn. Here is, they're eating ears of corn. Now, biblically, Old Testament, New Testament, you're always looking for the tie between, you know, ears of corn, husk. That's what the prodigal was eating over here. He had reduced himself to this. And so we know, go to Deuteronomy 24, verse number 19. Deuteronomy 24, 19. By the mere fact that she's gleaning. Look at Deuteronomy 24, 19. Then Then she really categorized herself, okay? So, Deuteronomy 24, 19, When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field, and hast forgot a sheath in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thy hand. So they knew in the book of Ruth that the fact that she was gleaning in the corn, she must have been one of the three. She must have been a stranger. She must have been fatherless. Or she must have been a widow. Immediately, when they looked at her, they, they knew you're too old to be fatherless. You're too young to be a widow. We've never seen you before. You must be a stranger. There is this humility that had to be there. When somebody's trying to rebuild something, they're going to make the first move. There's going to be a humility, but every time there is, look at Ruth 2.2. 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me now go uh, to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find what? Grace. And then here's the beauty of it. God begins to intervene. I have two minutes. If you look at Ruth 2.3, she went and came and gleaned in the field. Let me tell you something. God always makes sure that when somebody returns, they find the right field. (laughs) God never sends them to the wrong address. Never does. That's why I know this is the right field when somebody comes to church or somebody calls and says, hey, 
I, I think I want to get right with God. I, I think I want to get back to where I need to be. Guess what I know? Yep, yep, God's sending you to the right field. Want to know why? Because He knows my heart. He knows our heart. So the right field. Then look at verse, verse 3, 4, and 5. You have the right favor. She went and gleaned. Look at verse 4. Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with thee. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto the servants uh, that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And then all of a sudden you get yourself into the protection. Just let me suffice it to say this as I end. That when somebody's rebuilding, they can go from a season in Moab. Those consequences are great. But as they rebuild, they have to have a Boaz. They, they have to have this person. I think one of the kicks I get out of life is I love helping people. I do. It's my profession. I get that. But I think that God matched the nature with the profession, the profession with the nature. I just love helping people. I just, let's get this thing done. And the thing that makes a church very strong is when people are willing to push pause on their life and say, I'll help you. I'll help. What do you need me to do? So I think that on this lesson, three things come to my mind. Number one, we have to make sure this field stays full of Boazes who can help them find the owner. We have to. The second thing would be this. We have to wait for them to make the move, for anybody to make the move. And I think the third thing that I would tell you is this. No matter how long that a person stayed in Moab, God can put them in plenty. If you go to the very end of the book of Ruth, the very end of the book of Ruth, the very last verse, If you'll notice here in verse number 21, now Ruth and Boaz, look at it. And Solomon begat Boaz, Boaz begat Obed, Obed begat Jesse, Jesse begat who? David. So this means this Moabitess, this stranger, because there was somebody that, that knew the kinsman, now all of a sudden you'll find that David, the king of Israel, comes from the line of a rebuilt person? If a generation is lost because of a bad decision, then when somebody rebuilds their life, a generation can be gained because of a good decision. Most people think, no, 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 my influence is done. I'm just going to live in this sorrow the rest. No, no, no. Once you turn and make that decision, then all of a sudden you're like, no. Give it two and three generations and you're the stopgap from it getting worse and you turned everything around. So please... Uh, the, the book of Ruth is amazing, and we'll get into chapter 3 next week. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's Word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.